0: I was struggling with the title of this message. I talk so much about revival and, um, and renewal, God changing our lives, and, and you can never really overdo that, can you? I mean, I don't believe you can overdo the subject of renewal and revival. But I, I came very close to titling the message, and it, and it wouldn't have changed anything, but really uh, might be closer to calling this message Certainty. Certainty. That's something that's missing in the world today in the lives of so many people, especially people who don't know Christ. And far too many who claim to know Christ. Uncertainty seems to have gripped uh, the lives of so many people. So on a Sunday service dedicated to Renewal and Revival, It's good to turn to one of the prayers of David and let him help us express and focus our need and desire. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 40, and I'm going to pray again over God's Word, and we're going to share it together. Father, in Jesus' name, I want to thank you that your Word is life. Touch us today by the power of your Spirit. May the Comforter, the Teacher, uh, be with us today. Touch us. Open our ears. Open our eyes. Touch our understanding. So that we can hear and see and perceive, Father, what you desire to plant in us today through your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. In Psalm chapter 40, verse 1, it says, I waited patiently for the Lord, he inclined to me and he heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon the rock, making my steps secure. They are more than can be told. In sacrifice and offering you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me, I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. I have told the glad news of deliverance. In the great congregation, behold, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your deliverance. Within my heart, I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. The psalm speaks both of waiting and seeking. It is good and right to actively seek God. Can you say amen? It is good and right to actively seek God. But in the study of this passage of Scripture, God has spoken some things to my heart that I want to pass on to you today. But even when we are seeking God, we need to admit that God is the most active party in any genuine renewal. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, follow with me here. Because before we sought God, He was seeking us. Can you say amen? Before we were thinking of Him, He was thinking of us. Our renewal always begins when we decide to listen, to be quiet, to wait for God who is already speaking. Just because we believe inside of us, well, God has not spoke to me for years, that is not true. God is a speaking God. Amen? David tells us that he waited patiently for the Lord, and God turned and heard him. This psalm is clearly full of two things. I get two things that slap me in the face when I read this. This psalm is clearly full of two things. Certainty? Did you hear how boldly the writer spoke? Amen? Certainty and praise. Certainty and praise. David tells us that there are three things that every believer needs to receive. First one. How many of you realize that we need a firm place to stand? That came from verse 2. He gave me a firm place to stand. He set my feet upon a rock. There are some things that we know that don't need to be proved. And I've been praying over the first point here for days now that God will help me convey this to you correctly. Because sometimes what I say isn't what you get. I mean, that's just natural communication between people, right? There are some things that we know that don't need to be proved One of these is something I refer to as personal spiritual certainty. Personal spiritual certainty. Somehow in the process of learning and the explosion of knowledge in our day, many people have lost their spiritual certainty. When something on the inside of us gets lost, it's terribly tragic when it is our spiritual certainty. It is a dark place when all you have is a slippery slope or a miry pit of destruction. When you and when what you need is a solid rock on which to stand, I don't know quite how to say this. I've alluded to it uh, to this before. It's humbling to me as a pastor to realize that even. In the common ideas of life, none of us always are all all right about everything. Or always right about everything. Do you realize that weighs heavy on my heart? I stand in this pulpit and I share things with you that I believe I've received. God, has everything that's ever come out of my mouth in the pulpit all of my life. I'm 64 years old. I've been preaching since I was 18. Do you think some of it was messed up? You better believe it was. I can tell you about some of the sermons I preached in those early days and it is terribly frightening. (laughs) So enough of that. Won't refer too much to that. It is a dark place when all you have is a slippery slope or a miry pit of destruction when what you need is a solid rock on which to stand. It's humbling to me as a pastor to realize that even in the common ideas of life, none of us always write about everything. What this means to me is when I talk to you about God and I attempt to explain him, the criteria preferably includes, but it is not limited to, number one, needing to be correct. (laughs) Don't I need to be correct? Don't I need to be right if I'm going to stand here as an authoritative voice of God and share his word with you? Yes. Number two, that you hear and perceive what I'm attempting to convey. Amen? And number three, that if you do what I say, it will make, your, uh, make a difference in your life. Isn't that important? Isn't that what every pastor needs to pray for in this country, in this world? Amen? But there is all the difference in the world when God talks to you by any means that He has at His disposal, and you are listening, and God gets through to you. What I'm trying to say is that your personal relationship with God is so much more important than your personal relationship with your pastor. It's so much more important, and it it is not optional. It's not optional. I love you very much, and I believe that most of the people in this church perceive that and understand that and they feel that, and Ruth and I feel the love that is reciprocated. But Ruth and I can never take the place of that personal touch of father himself in your prayer life while you're giving him attention and you're praising him and you're worshiping him and you're talking to him and he's talking to you. There's a t-shirt that Ruth had uh, this morning that she said, I'm going to give this away in children's church. I looked at it. I said, where'd you get that? She said, I got it from Change Point. It's a black t-shirt. Some of you may remember it. It was a fraction, one over 165 or something like that. It's so a number of hours in a week, one over 165. And on the back it said, one hour out of a week is not enough. One hour a week is not enough. I said, man, I like, I like that t-shirt. It's loaded with impactful truth. Amen? When God speaks and you hear, you can take that to the bank. Let's face it. Sometimes I step up here on Sunday and I, I totally miss it. I, at least I've learned at my age to stop. <laughs> when you're just pedaling away and you're not going anywhere, at least I know when to stop now, you know? Uh, I, twice in the, and I know this, I remember this, I remember, the, you know what it feels like to be your pastor, you stand up and realize, okay, Father, I'm sorry I missed it. It's painful. It's painful. But I will not lie to you about it. I do not try to cover it up. When I've missed it, I've missed it. Amen? I've just missed it sometimes, right? I know I'm nailing it today, though, because of the word and what it's doing to me. I preach for me, too. You know that, don't you? All right? When God speaks and you hear, you can take it to the bank. Now, listen to this. I, I, I get concerned about being able to convey this, but then I relax because I know God's helping me, right? People who have been talked into what I call cheap grace. Listen to me now. Let me read it again. People who have been talked into what I call cheap grace, who never wait patiently for God for themselves, may wonder about the knowing aspect of their salvation. I want to read that again. People who have been talked into what I call cheap grace, and who never wait patiently for God for themselves, may wonder about the knowing aspect of their salvation. When people are brought in to the kingdom, as it were, that way, you know, uh, pray this prayer, sign this card, everything's good. That's not relationship. That's not entering into relationship. It can be the beginning, but often it is sadly, it is not. Uh, there are people that think, I-, I want to get as many of these cards signed as I can. We're getting people into the kingdom. And it's like giving birth to a baby in Florida on a sidewalk and leaving it on the sidewalk to bake to death. That's why, what is the key word to our fellowship here at Lasting Bible Church is discipleship. We've got to learn this word. Amen. We've got to walk in it, we've got to move in it. We get deeper in prayer deeper into our personal relationship with God, and we get stronger. Is this a popular message? Not like it should be. Amen? But there's coming a day when God is going to draw all those people who have questions enough to churches that do that, that lift up the name of Jesus, that teach the Word. Amen? And that build on personal relationships with God, not just personal relationships with their pastor and his wife not just. Now, Ruthie and I love our, I mean, we love you. We enjoy our relationships here. They're, they're great. But they never can replace building that personal relationship with God himself. So I'm going to read it one more time. People who have been talked into what I call cheap grace and who never wait patiently for God for themselves may wonder about the knowing aspect of their salvation. Every time I've ever tried to counsel someone who is worried about their spiritual standing with god were brought into the kingdom the way i just described to you leaves a lot of unanswered questions when we don't disciple people teach them that they need to be people of prayer need to be people of the word need to build on that relationship that father god is wanting to build with them i cannot stress enough you've heard me say it a thousand times I cannot explain why that the God of the universe loves hearing your voice. Your voice. God loves hearing your voice. Just the fact that you would open your mouth and talk to him as an act of faith. You're saying, I'm talking to you because I know you're there. I know you're here. Amen. Amen. Call it a witness, or call it assurance. But we need to know God and know that we know God. Amen? So that we quit wasting time sitting around worried all the time about whether or not we know God. I will tell you this, if you're worried about whether you know God, you you need to do something about it. You need to follow the road map we've already clearly talked about this morning. Amen? Call upon the Lord and He will hearken unto you. Amen? It's not only possible. It's God's expectation for our lives that we would know that we know. That we know that we know that we know. That we know. Amen? Certainty? Yes. Amen? Certainty. But we have to get this firm place to stand on God's terms, not my terms, not your terms. It must be on God's terms. So it, so it starts out with talking to God. And then whatever he rises, raises up on the inside of you, then you obey him. Do it. You want a firm place to stand in a world that is quicksand, that's a giant, uh, a giant swamp? I remember my stepfather as a small child. I, I, I realized that five miles away, like in a northeasterly direction, there was a prison farm. Lots of uh, convicts there in this prison farm. I, you know, I'm just a kid. I don't, I don't know anything about convicts. I just figure they're all bad. You know, I'm just a kid. I said to my stepdad, I said, Dad, I said, do you know there's a prison farm over there? He said, yes, sir. Very familiar with it. I said, well, what would we do if someone broke out of that, out of that prison farm and come all the way To our house, he said, son, between here and there is five miles of the absolute uh, worst swampy ground you've ever seen in your life. If a man breaks out of there and comes straight to our home and knocks on uh, our door, I'm going to, by God, invite that man in for a cup of coffee. (laughs) And he was referring to, "I I grew up on that swamp. And you seen all the movies as a kid, Uh, The Creature from Boggy Swamp. I grew up on Boggy Swamp. Maybe that reveals some things to you. I don't know, you know. But crossing that swamp, that five miles, people have done it, and they can do it. But the average person doesn't want anything to do with it. I like a firm piece of terra firma to stand on. Second point that David knew. We have the need for a new song to sing. Man, I'm so appreciative of Eunice and Kathy and Julia and, and um, their abilities that they, they give back to God on Sundays and the music they're doing. I, I so appreciate it. It, it. It's an important part of my life. And um, I'm going to talk a little bit about this need for a new song to sing. In verse 3, it says, He, say that with me, He. One more time, He. Put a new song in my mouth. A revival that simply beats us around the ears with new alts and shoulds is something I can do without. Now, why did I write that? Why did I say that? I grew up in a church where every year, uh, maybe sometimes twice a year, we would schedule revival. We would schedule it. You'd invite a speaker. You'd set a week aside and write it on your calendar. We're going to have revival, right? Well, I'm not going to tell you that doesn't work because a lot of good things have happened and could happen in those meetings. But how many of you know God's schedule is better than man's schedule? Amen. And more often than not, I, I recall many times as a child when all I got out of the revival meetings was the scare of my life. That's it. I got terrified. And I even remember, and here is a, this is a truthful thing that I wrote so I can't I can't edit it or leave it out. Listen to this. And I even remember a few since I have been a pastor where I wondered if anyone else felt as guilty as I did. Do you hear what I'm saying? When all a week-long series of meetings produces is feelings of guilt and fear. That's not revival. It's not revival. Amen? What I like to remember is the joy of my first love of God. I like to do more than stand against the evils of our day. I like to be so full of the love of God that like the Bible says, many will see and fear and put their trust in God. I suppose that cheerless and dull gray religion is better than none at all if there is any spiritual life in it at all, but somehow the very first casualty in the process of slipping away from God is joy, genuine joy. You know, we don't have any lack of religious excitement or interesting meetings or things to do to keep us busy for the Lord. But David says that when he waited on the Lord, he began to sing again. The song had left evidently, but God gave David a new song of praise. The world can be changed by people of God that are singing His new song of praise. I'm talking about real joy. The kind that we get by waiting patiently, intently, on purpose, by design for what God has to say. Our third point. David was showing us the need for a task that delights. See if I can explain that. Yeah. There are things that we must leave in order to follow after Jesus. Isn't that true? There's, there's things we shouldn't do if we're going to follow after Jesus and we need to leave them behind, right? And God may ask us other areas of our life that we need to give up, let go of because He will not let anything in your life rise above the level of importance that your relationship is with Him. So then it doesn't matter what face it takes or what description it takes or what that thing is, God's going to want that not to be higher. On your level of importance. Than him right. Now let's see if I can get closer to the point. I have never said that Jesus would require us. To sell our homes for example. And follow him I've never said that. But I have said. That there must be a willingness. To leave all. To be near him. I suppose there are some sacrifices. That are necessary. But clearly. The psalmist isn't into a long-faced, sorrowous, sorrowful list of things that he's given up. That's not what that first 10 verses is about. Man, I'm reading the words of one happy individual in those 10 verses. Amen? It says in verse 6, Sacrifice an offering you did not require, he writes, but my ears you have pierced. He goes on to say burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, here I am. I have come to do your will. O God is my desire or delight. Your law is within my heart. You know, I thought to myself, but my ears you have pierced. How many of you remember reading about that before in other places in the Bible? You you read it before? Do you know? You know what it means in Romans? It's talked about if a if a uh, slave was freed, but he loved the family. He loved that master. He didn't want to leave that family. If the master wanted to, he could pierce the slave's ear and it was like taking him into the family. See what I'm saying here? Many scholars believe that the ear piercing has to do with the ceremony prescribed in Exodus and again in Deuteronomy when a slave was being set free and he didn't want to leave his master's house. When a servant became a love slave, his ear was pierced, and he became a permanent family member, and his ear was pierced. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 makes a provision for believers to become these types of slaves to God, to say, make me your servant forever. I delight to do your will, O God. Wow. In conclusion... What I guess I'm trying to express or to let God express to me and through me is this. True revival is the possibility that we can raise our level of experience of the experience of spiritual reality if we will wait patiently, intently on purpose for our God. I say we need to break through to refreshing and reviving in the Lord. And while the waiting on the Lord sounds passive, it needs to be done deliberately. It's obvious that we can't schedule revival and say to God, Tuesday and Sunday of next week, we would like you to bless us up a little. Not too much now because we have very full schedules. But bless us enough to keep us out of hell if there is one. And make us real nice people. And bless our relationships and keep us pretty comfortable. Amen. Now you may think that's an exaggeration. But I remember a time in the body of Christ that was being taught as doctrine. Not, not making joke about whether it's hell or not. But just God, they were seeking the God of comfort. Make us comfortable. Uh, you know, it's one thing to say, God help me not to worry. And another thing to say to God, God, I don't want any challenges in my life. I don't want any challenges. I don't want anything to go wrong. I don't want anything to make me uncomfortable. I don't want anything in my life that would make me run to you for help. That's a powerful, powerful statement. You know, I, I, I thought to myself, what, what would a prayer, what should it look like? You know, perhaps we could say to God, Lord God, we walk through whirling mists and hear shouting voices. I may even know there's a lot of voices out there in the world today. Please help us make sure our feet are on the solid rock. In Heavenly Father, we are full of causes and agendas and burdens. Please help us remember the old songs of praise. And if you would, give us a new song of praise that will lift us toward you. And Lord, help us to love you so much that serving you will be our delight and our joy. Always. You have promised that if we seek you, you we will surely find you. With the psalmist we pray, may all who seek You rejoice and be glad in You. We will do our best to clear the way to begin now. You come as You see fit, for we will wait patiently for You. Turn to us and hear our cry in Jesus' name. Amen. Somehow that simple prayer Seems powerfully potent. Poignant even. Life-changing. Amen. They say, well, Pastor, uh, very simple message, but dynamic in its simplicity. Profound in its simplicity. We can never go wrong. Going to the word of God. What do I do next, Father? It never hurts to open the book, start reading. I'll never forget as long as I live. I was a newborn babe in Christ. And my life was messed up. And I'm the only one, right? No one else ever fit that description when they came to Christ. I mean, some of us we're just hot messes. You know what I'm saying? There was something that I needed to do in my life. I, I knew what it was, but I refused to believe that it was God telling me. You ever been there? Because if I admitted that it was God telling me to do it, I wouldn't have an excuse. And I couldn't put it off. And I couldn't wait. And so I stupidly said to God, Lord, I don't really believe in just cracking open the book and reading it and getting an answer from you, but let's give it a try. I opened up the book and what it said to me is none of your business. But I will tell you, It was word for word what God had already told me in my heart that I knew I needed to do. And I knew that if I did not obey God right out of the chute, right out of, I was just starting out as a babe in Christ. I knew that I knew that I knew if I did not obey God on that moment, right then and there, I was going to have a lot of problems in life. A lot of problems. You love God? If you love God, stand with me and let me pray for you. Isn't that a tricky way to put it? So what well, if I don't stand? I don't no, that's not what I'm saying. I just want to pray for everybody in the room. You want to be a part of this prayer, rise up, let's go to the Lord. Father, I want to thank you. At LifeSpring Bible Church in the last couple of years, it's amazing, Father, to think after all we've been through that Ruth and I have been pastoring this church almost two years already. Father, I believe even with all the turmoil going on in the world, you have been so kind to us. You have been so good to us. You have protected us. You have watched over us. You have provided for us, Father. You've uh, You've even brought gifts and talents to this church. Uh, Even during the COVID, um, that would be difficult for many people to believe that you would do a thing like that, but you've done it. Father, I want to thank you for your word in our lives. I thank you that it works. Father, may we take very seriously, Lord, this idea of a very personal and strong relationship with you. Father, we thank you for a firm place to stand We thank you for the need for a new song to sing, Father. We thank you for the need for a task that delights. In that third point, Father, if I didn't make it clear, thank you for helping me to make it clear in my prayer time here. Father, the only demands that you're making on our life is the task of pursuing you and loving you because you first pursued and first loved us. Hmm. It's powerful. Father, I want to thank you once again for each and every person in this room. Thank you for touching our lives. Thank you for giving us comfort, Father. Peace that passes all understanding and discomfort when necessary and when needed. May our eyes always be quick to turn to you in our hour of need, knowing that you're the one we can trust. Help our knowers, Father. Help us to know that we know you. Father, I want to thank you for recently having the opportunity to pray for someone who was in the process of passing away, literally. And you told me, ask them, where are you going to go when you die? And the answer was, I hope to heaven. I said, hope is a good thing. You know, Lord, hope is a good thing. It's a good bridge to faith and confidence. And we prayed together and we moved his Belief from hope to faith by your glory. What an honor it was, Father, to be there and see that unfold. Touch us, Father. Cause our faith to be multiplied today. Help us to understand that building a relationship with you isn't as difficult as the devil would like to make it out to be. If it would just be people that reach out to you, talk to you, read your word, pray, get quiet sometimes before you and just listen to see if you park anything in our spirits that rise up on the inside of us could be life-changing, Lord. Help us to listen to the still, small voice also, Father. Lord, you know how many times that we have encouraged the people of this church to build altars to you in their lives, whether it be in a closet, whether it be in their bedside, whether it be at their dining room table, or on the couch in the den, or the living room. Why? Because, Father, we desperately need Uh, to put this COVID virus behind us and be able to spend times around the altars of the church. But for now, we must be diligent to seek out the altars in our life that you've built for us. You've helped us to know where that couch is, where that bedside is, where that dining room table is, where that walk-in closet is, or maybe it isn't even a walk-in closet, just barely big enough to get into and kneel down. But Father, may we be faithful to let your work shine through us And may we flourish in our walk with you. Be with us as we depart from this place today. Let us fellowship together before we go, Father. Thank you for continuing to watch over us, Father, over this COVID virus thing. Thank you for killing the virus, Father, as we submit to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. Fellowship together before you leave this place today.